Welcome to Mixed Take, a world outspoken podcast. As film, television, and entertainment are influenced by the mixing of cultures and heritages in the United States, we are here to discuss, celebrate, and represent. I'm Robert Rivera. And I'm Danielle Isaiah. In this episode, we're talking about a film recently released by Amazon Studios called A Million Miles Away. We'll be interviewing Jose Hernandez, who is who the story is essentially all about, played by Michael Pena. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, but Rob, for those who have not yet seen the movie, can you give us a quick synopsis? Yeah, I'm just going to go straight from the presser here. Inspired by the real-life story of NASA flight engineer Jose Hernandez, a million miles away follows him and his devoted family of proud migrant farm workers on a decades-long journey. From a rural village in Michoacan, Mexico, to the fields of San Joaquin Valley, to more than 200 miles above the Earth in the International Space Station. With the unwavering support of his hardworking parents, relatives, and teachers, Jose's unrelenting drive and determination culminates in the opportunity to achieve his seemingly impossible goal. Acclaimed writer and director Alejandra Marquez Abela has created a dazzling tribute to the loyalty and tenacity of the entire Hernandez family, as well as anyone who dares to dream. Listen, after watching this film, I have to say it is inspirational, motivational, and above all of the eagles, sensational. I haven't cried in a film. You know, I was telling Rob um, before we interviewed Jose, I haven't cried in a film in, in a, a while. And this one was such a tearjerker. Just the, uh, man, having to overcome certain things, um the 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 trials and the tenacity um that not just he had but those around him to encourage him and to sacrifice for the dream that he had i, I thought was just awesome so Definitely. um it is starring michael peña we said that at the top of the show who is a kid from chicago that's right shy town in doing the research yep. for this show learning that michael peña is from chicago Southside, what's up? <laughs> Let's go. Um, so you might know Pe Michael Pena from movies like Crash or Chips or even shows like Jack Ryan, but he is just an all-star or an Ant-Man, an Ant-Man too. Ant-Man. I think of him a, a end of watch, I think is the first time that oh, I yeah, yeah. Yeah. really saw him, but yeah. Yeah, he's such a good actor. Absolutely love him. And awesome. in this role, he does yep. not disappoint. So... Without further ado, is it time to introduce or to take it away to the... I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Without further ado, here's our interview with Jose Hernandez. Hi, Jose. My name is Donnie and... Yeah, my name is Robert. <laughs> oh, all right. How you guys doing? Robert, uh, Donnie, happy, to, happy to be here with you guys this morning. Awesome. Thank you. And we're with a podcast called Mixed Take. We're both located in Chicago. And our podcast pretty much centers around representation in film and shows and uh, the, all the stories that come out. And so it was really um, just such a, a wonderful experience to be invited into um, your story and to, to be able to pre-screen a million miles away and just to learn a little bit more about you, about the stars, about you reaching for them quite literally. So we're so excited to talk with you today. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the movie because uh, it was yes. a great labor of love. Uh, and I'll tell you, Prime Video did a great job in uh, in portraying my uh, 
my life story. Oh, that's awesome. You know, whenever people say who, who would play you in a movie, um, you come up with all these scenarios in your head, who, which actor would fit you best. Michael Pena was chosen for this role to, to portray you. Where did, where did he get it right? What, what, what part did you ever watch him and say, yes, he nailed me exactly in that, in that scene or, or that part? I think um, throughout the film, he did uh, he 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 did a very accurate representation of my character, of my personality. Uh, he, um, uh, you know, he spent some time with me. It was during the pandemic, so it all of it was via Zoom. But but he was able to get uh, basically my personality down down because I'm a, a kind of like a serious person, but I also joke around a lot, and I have a you know, a, 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 a pretty good sense of humor. And I think he did a good job at portraying that. And, uh, and, and, and he got my character right. But I think the other thing where he got it right is that, and I wanted to make sure that we reflected it on the film is that, you know, we all have doubts about ourselves, about our capabilities and do we belong here or don't we? And it's these demons that sometimes keep us down. And he did a great job at, at demonstrating that, Hey, they do exist. But, you know, he was able to overcome it and uh, and reach his goal. And that certainly was the case for me. Man, That's so awesome. he was spot on. So did Michael Pena do a better Jose than you? <laughs> did it better? You know, you know I, I was on the set. I was on the set one day and we were just uh, shooting the bull with him. You know, and I said, hey, Michael, I just want to let you know. He says, what's that, Jose? I said, you know, you're a great actor. He said, "Oh, thank you," and then, you know his chest pumped up and all that. He said, "But, but, man, I'm so much cuter than you, dude." Yeah. I think I would have. I think the movie would have been a, lot, a little better. Uh, but no, no, he's a, he's a great actor. Mi respetos. You know, he's a, yeah. They he's from done... Chicago too. He's from your area. He is. Yep, yep. Yeah, we were they just talking the, about that. They should have done the deep fake, you know, and just have your face the entire movie. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a good guy. He's a great guy. I love him. He's great. That's awesome. So if we can dig into the movie a little bit and some of the things, kind of the themes that really stood out to us, especially for um, the listeners and the viewers for our podcast. So one um, element uh, that is really common to most immigrant or migrant stories is assimilation. And so um, throughout the story, there's a couple things, a couple decisions that you made to kind of assimilate. Um, you, you moved from wearing like the cholo, like the button up to the cardigan, uh, or at least in the films. Pendleton, um, we call them Pendletons. Pendleton, <laughs> Pendleton? Yeah. Am I saying it right? Pendleton? Yeah, the Pendleton shirts, yeah. Not, okay, thank you. Um, and then you moved from eating enchiladas to sandwiches. And there are a Which couple I hate of it. little. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're like, this lettuce and bread, this is not doing it. <laughs> um, and then moving from uh, listening to uh, like banda type of music over to like rock. So why those choices? If you were to do it all over again, would you do the same? Kind of talk to us about this assimilation piece to your story. Right, right. Well, it's it wasn't like um, it wasn't like my cousin suggested. I'm forgetting where I was coming from. I think it was more of the case of, you know, you acknowledge that you're growing up and you're living in a pie cultural environment, and so what the way I saw it was that I can take the best of both cultures 
And that's what defines me, Jose Hernandez. You know, I would never say, oh, no soy Mexicano, no soy uh, Mexican-American. I would never say that. I was always very proud of my heritage. Uh, but I also realized that, hey, you know, this 64 Chevy Impala, it's a gas guzzler, and I'm driving 50 miles each day to work and back and forth, and uh, maybe I should get a smaller car. And so that's what I did, and a reliable car that doesn't leave me broken down on the road, too. And so these those type of things, those type of decisions that I, I made, but uh, but never never forgetting the, our culture, because our cultura is so beautiful uh, that you can draw from it to get not only strength, but make yourself uh, more viable in, in, in certain situations. I love that standing in the margin, you know, there's different worlds that we're a part of that we're living exactly. in and, and navigating our way and making it our own. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the, the story is inspirational, obviously not just because of the odds that you conquered, but because of, because of who you are. And I think it speaks um, a lot to, to migrants. This country is is filled with migrants, people who are just trying to make it. And especially in the Latino culture, um, you've become, in, in a sense, an inspiration to others. Um, the movie highlights five ingredients uh, to success. Can I ask you a, a little bit about those ingredients? Were those ingredients something that uh, you provided to them? Or was that something that the movie after analyzing your life kind of came up with and, and how do those oh, ingredients? No, 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 that, that That's, I've been living with those ingredients since 10 years old. Uh, you know, I was 10 years old when I saw the very last Apollo mission and I told my papa, I said, papi, I want to be an astronaut. He takes mm -hmm. me to the kitchen, sits me down. I thought I was in trouble, but he crosses his hands and said, a ver, dime, why do you want to be an astronaut? And I just regurgitated everything Walter Cronkite, the reporter, said that day. The moon was a quarter million miles away. This was the last Apollo mission, the Apollo era. They were going to build a new space vehicle. And I told my dad, I want to be part of it. And he, who only has a third grade education, and we still have him with us, 86-year-old, but uh, all healthy. Uh, he, who only had a has a third grade education, had the wisdom to do two things. First, he empowered me in believing that I could be an astronaut. Me dijo, si puedes logrado, hijo. You can do it. He said, but if you want to do it, see estos cinco pasos. I said, what are they, pops? He said, define your purpose in life, one. Second, recognize how far you are from that goal. Third, draw yourself a roadmap so you know how to get there. Fourth, prepare yourself according to the el reto, the challenge you picked. In fifth, echale ganas. And then that's when I add the sixth one, which is perseverance, uh, which is never give up on yourselves. And if you read my book, Reaching for the Stars, that's that's the standard, um, you know, that's the central message I have in my in my book, Reaching for the Stars. I have a children's book, The Boy Who Touched the Stars, bilingual, that also has that recipe. So it's very important in my life. And every time I get out, I try to preach that because I think that's a good tool people can use. Wow. I think that makes the movie a little bit more meaningful for me yeah. to, uh, to know yeah. that it's structured around your actual yes. goals and ingredients. Exactly. Wow. Yep. 
So where do you find yourself now? Is there a particular goal in that or a particular step that you're in or ingredient rather? Well, you know, it, it's like, um, it's like me papa said, right? You know, you could take a kid away from the farm, but not a, the farm away from the kid. Uh, you know, I after leaving NASA, I made a tough decision that I wanted to raise my kids because NASA just takes too much time in training. And we were going to, uh, they wanted me to go on a Russian rocket train for three years uh, and then go out for six months and then go on a road for six months. For the next four years, I was going to be gone out of my house a little over 80% of the time. And, uh, and that was just too much. And so I, you know, as Latinos, you know, I have five kids and they were reaching their adolescent age. So I decided to come back home. And that's when I wrote my books. That's when I started going on the uh, motivational circuit, speaking circuit. And, uh, and, 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 and then the movie um, opportunity came. But my true calling was, I, you know, I found this vineyard that was for sale and I bought it. And I told my dad the only way I would buy it if he would help me run it, manage it, because I know how to pick grapes, but I didn't know how to manage. And my dad does. He says, claro que sí, hijo. And, uh, and I didn't stop there. Now we make our own wine. I have Tierra Luna Cellars wine. And so, uh, it, you know, it's the this wine tastes out of this world, best one made by an astronaut. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of coming full circle. It's kind of coming full circle, you know, coming back to your roots. Congratulations. Now, yeah. speaking of family and sacrifice and all the help that comes with uh, being a Latino and being so close knit with our families, there's two women for me that stood out in the film that were that seemed instrumental, at least in the story that we saw. And those two women were Miss um, Young and your wife, Adela. Um, can you talk to us about, uh, you know, kind of how they encouraged you, supported you, what the movie got right, and maybe sure. a detail or two that the movie didn't include that you wish was in there? Well, first of all, I, I you know I want to give a shout out to my mom because she was very instrumental early on in my career. I mean, she uh, in my education process, she's the one that after every day of school would sit us down in the kitchen, you know, give us a uh, sopita con tortillas, and but she then she would not let us get up until our homework was done. So she was kind of like the enforcer at home, and she's the one that instilled those great study habits that that we developed that we were need in high school and college. So thanks to her, we were able to do that. Miss Young, absolutely. You know, she, uh, she uh, by just making a simple trip home and convincing my parents that we needed to stay in one place to get a good education, she changed the trajectory of a whole familia, you know? And, 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 uh, and yes, we sought her out. And yes, she sat next to my parents when I blasted off into space. So all that part is true. And, and, and then, you know, Later in my career, you know, the pillar in our familia era mi esposa, Adelita. She, I mean, she, uh, she was, uh, you know, gave me uh, 100% support, especially when I was ready to throw in the towel after that sixth rejection. You know, she asked a very profound question that I hadn't thought of asking myself. She said, no sé, I don't know what they have, meaning the people that got selected and what they have that you don't have. And I told myself, I don't know either. Maybe I should find out. And that's when I became a pilot, scuba diver, learned a third language, and I made myself more competitive. So yeah, all these ladies, very, very instrumental in my life. That's why I say this is a story of success of not an individual, but una familia y una comunidad, you know, the community. I helped a lot too. 
No, that's awesome. I think um, uh, that phrase tenacity is a superpower really sums up the journey. And, um, and if anything, I think your story shows with, with hard work and you don't let up, uh, you can accomplish a whole lot. Exactly. I mean, that's the whole message. And that's why I'm so happy we got this made into a movie because it's going to be released September 15th uh, to over 240 countries at once in multiple awesome. languages. And so now it's not motivating thousands or tens of thousands. Now we're going to be motivating hundreds of millions of people because they're going to be seeing the movie. Yeah. And there are so many common themes amongst in individuals moving to different places, different countries, learning new languages, learning how to navigate the politics, the socioeconomics, exactly. the education pieces for their families. And all. so yours isn't just a story that is common to us. It's a worldwide story of learning how to navigate new waters and change and growing as a family and being successful and shooting for the stars, literally. Yes, it, it resonates with many people. And so that's why I think people are going to find it so attractive because they, they're going to see a little of themselves in that movie. And, uh, and hopefully they walk away with some tools that would say, okay, this is how I'm going to apply myself from now on. Awesome. So if there's one last thing you'd like to say to our listeners, is there anything that you would like to share? I would just say que se vale soñar en grande. I say it's okay to dream big as long as you're willing to put in the work to convert that dream into reality and use that six ingredient recipe. And I'll tell you, I'll give you the same promise my dad gave me. You too can reach for your own stars. Well, I love that the story is accessible for my whole family. I think it's going to be an inspiration to so many people Thank you for allowing that story to be told. And it's a privilege and an honor to meet you. Muchas gracias. Thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. And right, one more thing for me is um, right before we came in this room, I was telling Rob, I haven't cried during a movie in so long. And oh my goodness, there were tearjerker moments for me all throughout the film. It was, uh, again, just so inspirational, so yes. beautiful. So thank you for allowing us into your life, your journey, and being bold and brave enough to share your story with us. So thank you. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. So glad you enjoyed it. And hopefully Rob enjoyed it as well, because uh, you know, that's, that's what we were trying to do is uh, is is really touch the uh, the human spirit. And, uh, you know, I've watched it several times and I still tear up uh, because... <sighs> You know, it, it is like this and you you have those because people can relate to it. And so, so, so I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks again, Jose. Great Una to meet you. Una abrazo. Thank you. Una abrazo. <laughs> you. What an Man. awesome interview. That was an amazing interview. You know, I think, I think, um, Interviewing Jose Hernandez was a lot like sitting down with like one of my tios and just asking questions about his life and, you know, like where he's been and what he's been through and what he's proud of and all that good stuff. What what are your like quick takeaways from the interview? Yeah. Inspiring. I love you know what I love about him is that he's um, he's a person that wants to share knowledge. Yeah. He wants to pass on what yeah. he's learned with the next generation. Mm -hmm. So I, I appreciated that. That's right off the right off the bat. He's a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. And like a motivator. 
he's like, if I could do it, you could do it. Like you dream big, dream for the stars and just put in the work. Like he's very much a, if I can do it, you can do it type of guy. No, definitely. Definitely. So from that interview and even from Mm -hmm. the film, just the story of a, a migrant family coming to the States and one of the the kids in the family shooting for the stars. What are some takeaways from the film? And then what changes in our country related to immigration do you think need to be made? Sure. You know, the the, the one thing that's refreshing, there have been many biopics. And and normally when when we watch a biopic, we start Googling, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the facts of the movie. Are these correct? If not, there's been recent controversy doesn't take away from whether the movie is good and entertaining, but what I really appreciated after talking to Jose is to learn that a lot of this movie is based on, not just based on his life, but based on principles that um, that he grew up learning, mm-hmm. like his grandfather. So the movie is structured with these ingredients. They're kind of, they kind of work as chapters yeah. throughout yeah. throughout the film. To learn that those ingredients were things that his grandfather, did he say? His dad. Oh, his dad, his father had taught him. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was refreshing to know this yeah. is, they kind of w- dig deep into, his, into his, his life. And I know it's based on, his, on, the, on the book that he wrote, but mm-hmm. love that they kept that. Yeah, and that his dad had five ingredients and then he added a sixth ingredient. Yeah. So it's like, oh man, this is awesome. Like, and hopefully his kids add or change, you know, like, you get a recipe and then you put in your own like sofrito or adobo, you know, to make it your own. Yeah. That's him. You know what I also appreciate it is, is that he understands that culture is always adapting. It's always changing. And mm-hmm. living in the United States, living in, in Mexico, both are formative in his life. Mm-hmm. He doesn't deny either. Mm-hmm. Embraces both. And I think it goes along with what you were saying, adding that other ingredient is important. And as we talk about the diaspora around the world, adjusting, you know, kind of to their context, um, that's an important thing. I know we, we, we fight to keep a lot of our culture and we should. Yeah. But also understanding that sometimes things evolve in our culture. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and um, just kind of how he's making, his own, he's making it his own. Um, as far as immigration and things like that it's just it just proves right that um we often we often think of we often think of immigration in in terms of um a group of people uh, the immigrant as a as kind of this faceless person and they're here for our jobs they're here whatever the negative connotation is but this movie, I think, shows us that perhaps there's a lot the immigrant has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, that's I, a lot I, of rambling. But You know, one of the things that I wished Jose had talked a little bit more about was the, the struggle in getting to the point of, like, no, I'm both. Mm. Because in the film, at least how they represent it, is there was um, an intentionality with the choices that Jose Hernandez was making, what he was wearing, the music he was listening to, even what he was eating at lunch alongside of his colleagues to kind of fit in. And so I wished he had talked just a little bit more about how tough it is to get to the point of accepting, no, I'm this and I'm this. I'm 
trailblazing and building my own thing because sometimes when you get to a new place you the pendulum might swing you know all the way to the other side and at some point it it comes to the middle but getting to that point is often a huge labor of sacrifice and love and tears and time and wrestling with who am I at, at least that was yeah. the, the the truth for me yeah in all fairness this was a 15 minute interview true true you know true, yes. he's, he, he squeezed in a lot yeah the yeah. movie fleshes that out a little bit more but I'm sure his book yeah well you know and we've talked about this in past episodes just for mm -hmm. like our own lives so particularly for me um, when I went to college I didn't realize I was brown I was a Latina until I got to college in college because in high school hung around with like a, a, a very diverse group of people um, but there were a lot of Latinos in the high school that I went to when I came to college however an 85 90 percent white campus I stood out like a sore thumb and I was like oh my goodness growing up I was never really accepted as a Latina because I didn't speak Spanish and so you know amongst Latinos they're like oh you don't speak Spanish you're not a uh, Hispanic you're you're a little white white girl and so I was like okay fine then I guess I'm a white girl well then I came to college and I was like oh my goodness I am not a white girl so what is it about my culture outside of language that makes me a Latina and so for the first time I really had to dig into okay who am i and you know what are the things that about me that make me me and you know what is it about that that comes from my culture that comes from my upbringing that comes from uh, being a chicagoan being a north sider being a public school kid like uh, being a christian so what are you know what facets of what you know aspects make me me and why am i so different so if, again it was you know a couple years really of digging in to figure out who I am and I'm sure Jose Hernandez had had a similar journey if you will I'm still trying to figure that out <laughs> say more I mean just everything that you said I I co-sign mm. for my for my own experience yeah yeah and um so I'm still on that journey trying to understand h how I fit in exactly where do I fit in um recognizing i'm not loved mm -hmm. you know wholeheartedly by any any particular group but being okay with that mm -hmm. and um yeah and just trying to embrace different different parts of, of different cultures that i've been exposed exposed to and and um and then passing that on to like my children and helping them understand why we hang out to certain traditions or mm -hmm. yeah different foods or or whatever it may be yeah <clears throat> I will say there were even sorry I will say there were even moments when I'm half Mexican half Puerto Rican around certain people I felt like I had to choose one so if I was around Mexicans I had to be ultra Mexican and if I was around Puerto Ricans I had to be more Puerto Rican and if I was around uh, white people I had to kind of put you know hush both of those and not laugh as loud or clap as loud or talk is loud oh no <laughs> so it was um you know it was always like a, a like dance. a ticking time bomb <laughs> if you can't uh be loud exactly I was like, oh lord so it was always like a you know kind of you're trying to fit in and and choose which you to be until you finally just start you're like this is me I am Mexican, I am Puerto Rican, I am American, I am a Chicagoan, I am a woman, I am, you know, 
I am all of these things. Just let me be me and accept me or, or don't. That's okay. I'm not, not for everybody, but just like. Well, it sounds like it sounds like you're uh, you're getting ready to write some song lyrics there. <laughs> really? Yeah. Was that flowy? Yeah. Okay. Okay. There you go. So. How do you feel about, can we talk just a little bit about the migrant worker history? Mm -hmm. I've done a little research. Yes, please, Donnie. So, if you... Inform if, us. If you guys will indulge me. And some of these things, okay, so, oh, there's obviously America, right? We came, uh, not we, um, there were individuals. Maybe we. 1492, I know. Right? Some I of we. Because like, oh, no. I guess, yeah, we do have Spanish heritage. So, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, right? He finds... Um, what he thinks is India, lands in America. A couple hundred years later, people uh, start to migrate here, immigrants. So what's very interesting is in the 1600s, obviously, most immigrants to the United States were from Europe. So uh, many British immigrants settled in New England. Dutch immigrants settled in New York. Swedes in Delaware. Spaniards in Florida. Some came for religious freedom. Others were just looking to make paper. Can't be mad at that. You want, you know, the best opportunity for you and your family. Fast forward to the 17, the, close to the 1800s, so 1790. Congress passes the first law about who should be granted U.S. citizenship. Follow me. Only white people that have been here two years or more. So if you're not white, you have no claim to citizenship in this country. People <laughs> that were here long before them with brown skin, AKA Native Americans, would not be allowed to apply to be citizens in their country. This is wild to me, 1790. From the 1820 to 1860, about a third of all immigrants were Irish, uh, and then many others were German. So, the rhetoric that we get right now about immigration is just brown people, particularly Mexicans with our former president, all about building a wall and blah, 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 and Mexico, this and that. The first immigrants to this country were not brown, were not black, were white. I, I mean, and, and I guess you can make the argument for black immigrants coming to this country, but they came against their own will. Right, they were course. enslaved. So we'll talk those that volitionally wanted to come okay 1820 to 1860 yeah it, this is less about immigration and more about the group of people coming yeah kind this of. is less about people are coming it's who is actually trying to get into this country that that has been claimed as mm -hmm. you mentioned before mm -hmm. uh, absolutely so <clears throat> so 1880 to the 1920s Roughly 200 million immigrants entered into the country. Many were Italians and Jews. 1882, interestingly, the Chinese Exclusion Act bars Chinese immigrants from entering the United States. So this is one of the kind of first, outside of the 1790s, like only white people can be citizens here. This is the first to exclude a particular group of individuals like that and then we'll see kind of more of that al along the way 1907 um there's an influx of japanese workers and um they say that they're you know basically taking 
taking white people's jobs. Mm -hmm. And so they sign a gentleman's agreement that says from Japan, only certain individuals who are highly skilled can come to the United States. 1910, essentially three quarters of New York's population are immigrants or first generation Americans. Mm. This is so, to me, this is just such a fascinating because this is, um, let's see, 1600, uh, we're in 2023, so 400 ish years of history, um, really 200 years of kind of this really specific, and, and even more specifically, 100 years of kind of this segregated type of immigrant mm-hmm. that the US government wants to see come into the United right. States. So if you're white, it's like, you know, pretty much cool, our doors are open to you. But if you're Chinese, if you're Japanese, and the rhetoric now, if you're Hispanic, it's like, let's close the doors. Let's build the walls against these people. Um, I'm going to fast forward. There's a bunch of stuff in here. But one thing that I found interesting was during World War II, Mm -hmm. the United States, there were labor shortages, obviously, because men are going off to war. So with these labor shortages, the United States reaches out to Mexico and they say, hey, um, let's build a program to have workers, migrant workers, come in and pick our fields, take care of our crops. People got to eat. People got to farm. So let's do the thing. And so this is called the Bracero Program. Bracero Program. Google this. It's fascinating. What the program essentially d- did was allowed Mexican workers to come in six months at a time if they had a particular job and essentially work the fields. This was enacted in 1942 and went until 1964, so 22 years. Wow. Over two decades, these people are getting used to this lifestyle. This is, you know, and it was mm. listed as temporary work. I see where you're going. But once you're 22 years in, this is like, okay, our, our economy starts to depend on these workers and these workers start to depend on our economy and they're working kind of hand in hand well then there's mistreatment of these laborers and individuals like Cesar Chavez rise and they start to kind of form uh, you know just, just so there's no mistreatment and people are getting paid and working in safe environments and that kind of thing um, you know, fast forward, there's, you know, different um, indi- uh, immigrants that, that continue to come in, but um, blazing the way of, like, making sure that these migrant workers are fairly paid and working in good conditions, um, this really surfaces. So you have this Bracero program that says it's cool, and then the program ends in 1964, but you just can't turn it off because, again, there's this, we're relying on one another. So how do we move forward? And again, this rhetoric, and I keep saying this word rhetoric because it really is this like, how dare these um, immigrants come into this country and take our jobs and blah, blah, blah. And like you said earlier, it's not about individuals taking, immigrants are coming here uh, to give. Uh, Roughly one in four physicians in the United States is an international or foreign foreign trained um, expert. And so we're coming up on a huge physician shortage. We're going to need more and more international physicians to fill the void. 
And that's just one profession out of many, many professions where we need skilled individuals to come. So immigrants have so much to offer. Our families can say that firsthand. Our, we aren't native to, um, I guess a quarter of me is, according to 23andMe. <laughs> <laughs> I am indigenous American. But the other part, Spaniard and from Portugal and you know a bunch of other places. So we're all kind of, you know, in some way or another visitors here unless you're Native American. No, this is very true. Wow. That was a mouthful. Well, in that context, this is this is Jose Hernandez's background. Mm-hmm. He's coming from this this her- heritage of of uh, you know, stereotypes and um, he's got an uphill climb. Mm-hmm. He's got everything working against him. And when I say stereotypes, you know, he applied for the uh, that position in NASA for I, I forget how many times. Do you remember the number? It I was, think it was 12 or it, 13. Yeah, there was a bunch. Um, and it's hard It's hard not to wonder. I know that his – let me first of all say his credentials weren't there, but nobody was, was stepping in and helping him and say, listen, this is what you want to do. This is what you got to do until the one guy did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He took that to heart. He – he he starts learning new languages, scuba diving, all these different things, and and, and worked hard, and um, but you you recognize that he, he didn't have this path kind of paved for him. Mm-hmm. Nobody was 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 training him or or, or empowering him to do this. Mm-hmm. Somebody just let it out like this is what you need to do, and self motivation, he mm-hmm. did it, mm-hmm. which is pretty amazing. Absolutely. The intrinsic desire to, you know, like accomplish this goal, this dream that he had was just outstanding. What a gift to his family, mm-hmm. to Latinos, mm-hmm. to the migrant individual coming into this country from wh- whichever yeah. country. Yeah. You know, uh, what I really appreciate about Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter movement is um the focused attention that black people have on black success and i i want that there to be more of that for latino success Mm. for us to intentionally tell stories like this because people like us are literally reaching for the stars and attaining them like jose hernandez is like i want to be an astronaut in the f- in the film you see the first time he tells his um his girlfriend she laughs and yeah. it's like man if more of us had laughable goals how you know h- how awesome that would be for people to be like ha, 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 no way and then it's like oh you're serious okay cool that's awesome any any other thoughts that you want to share my laughable goal is that um Oh, yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. What's your laughable goal? We go viral. <laughs> Why you make me laugh? <laughs> that one. We have double-digit listenership. Double-digit? <laughs> <laughs> we need that six-figure listenership, that seven-figure right. listenership. Exactly. Just jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to happen. Maybe if I scuba-dived a little bit more. Would have a stronger voice and um oh my yeah all right well 
I think it's time to press pause uh, and reflect on just any final thing that has, you know, kind of stands out to you. So, Rob, any takeaways from this film or conversation with Jose Hernandez? I would say don't let discouragement defeat you. And um, people are, are going to constantly undermine you or what's the right mm. word it's it's not undermine it's more like um they don't doubt? expect maybe doubt um can, i know that this this struck you so can you elaborate a little bit on the janitor scene oh yeah so there's um there's really no spoilers that we can give because it's just really somebody's life and it's awesome um but in one scene there's um michael peña he shows up or played um by Michael Peña, but her, Jose Hernandez shows up for his first day of work, and he's an engineer. And he goes up to the receptionist because he you know, just has some questions, and he asks um, whatever his question is, where's their bathroom or something, something like that. And she assumes that he's the janitor, so she starts pulling out all the janitor things. Here's the keys, and here's the this and the that. And when you get a chance, change this light bulb. Oh, he was having a light bulb problem in his office. Uh, you know, change this and that. And it wasn't until days later that he finally he was like, I'm actually not the janitor. I'm one of the engineers here. But she wasn't she wasn't mean. Mm -mm. She just wasn't listening to him. And she was assumptive of. Exactly. Oh, if you're brown and you're here, exactly. you must be here to clean the toilets. Right. So it wasn't malicious. She just could not wrap her head around a Latino mm -hmm. engineer. Yes, exactly. I think uh, brown people, uh, women in positions of leadership often have the same experience. It's like, you must not be here to do X, Y, or Z. And it's like, no, no, I'm here for the director's seat or, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank. Yeah, so. Yeah. So it's n you're right. It's not yeah. even a malicious, intentional, whatever. It's just, I don't know, if maybe ignorance. That's kind of scarier, isn't it? Kind of. Where where people don't mm. even recognize that they have these biases. Oh my word, absolutely. So they're not they're not mean, but if if you don't recognize you have this bias, how can you correct it? Mm. At least if when you have hate in your heart, you know it. <laughs> True. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're a little more Yeah, but it's the the microaggressions. It's like the small things that you don't even realize. There you go. Yep. Exactly. Oh. And then we get used to them. Yep. So we don't even see them. It's like, oh, yeah, they, they don't normally see me in this or see us in this role. So whatever. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. How oh. about you? Any any uh, other takeaways? Um, I would just m my encouragement to anybody listening or watching, go watch this film A Million Miles Away. Produced by Amazon Studios. What a wonderful story. Yeah. Amazon Prime. If you have Prime Video, mm -hmm. September 15th, it's on. Yeah. Such a good film. Wonderful story. I did not expect to be as impacted by the life and storytelling. The life of Jose Hernandez and the storytelling of director Alejandra Marquez Abella. Alejandra, thank you for what a wonderful work of art that you've presented to us. I can identify, uh, not just me, many, 
can identify with this story, with the struggle, with hopefully the triumph. Like, let's let's make <laughs> Rob's laughable goal come true yes. <laughs> and get this podcast. So, I mean, not that that even really matters, but what matters is just the awareness that we hope to spotlight. You know, we hope to just encourage this more awesome stories of black brown asian pacific islanders this is where we press stop but have no fear we will press that play button again soon thank you for joining us on this episode of mixed take join us next time as we continue the journey into the far stretches of the galaxy the what do, what do astronauts go to? The space station, all kinds of, of fun, otherworldly. The, <laughs> the moon. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us five stars on Apple Podcast or wherever you tune in. Also, head over to worldoutspoken.com, a site for pairing the Mestizo Church for Cultural Change, where you'll find information on consulting services, thought provoking blog posts, and other podcasts such as The Feature. Questions from the Pew, La Ventanita, The Mestizo Podcast, the show for the mixed people of the mixed church. Also head over to worldoutspoken.com, order some cool merch, like a shirt, sticker, water bottle, lots of other cool things. Also follow us on Insta, Insta. at Mixtake. And then what's the one that my, my grandma's on again? Facebook. Facebook. We're also on Facebook. <laughs> Um, my grandmother does not have a Facebook account. <laughs> no. No. You can also... But our, our moms do. Yeah. Some, yeah. Yeah. There are grandmas on Facebook. Yeah, for sure. Okay. You can... Uh, and, and young people, too. I think there's some young people. There's a couple. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're probably... You know what? Those are probably... Uh, what are those uh, accounts called? Uh, the, they're kind of hijacked and... Uh, Oh, yeah. Not like yeah. burners, but like. Yeah, whatever. yeah. It's like what you want your parents to Yeah, beware. To see. If you say young person on Facebook, beware. I thought the same thing. Are those real young people? Yeah, well, no. I was like, what is this account? Why do they have Facebook? <laughs> They're spying on their parents. It's backwards, mm, it's full circle. I like that. I like that. Well, you can also follow me on Twitter or X. What's it called? Is it X. Whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever you would like to call it, at Rob Riv and follow Donnie at. Donnie Jack. That's D-O-N-I-J-A-C. And how do you spell Rob Riv? Rob Riv. R-O-B-R-I-V. Yeah. I'm just saying. That's an easy one. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I think Rob so. Rob Riv. Yeah, probably, actually. Special thanks to our producer, Rich Hurtado. What, what? Also to Ricky Padilla and the World Outspoken crew. We yes, hope- sir. Oh, sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> yes. Salute. Salute. We hope you join us again as we continue to dive into the nerdy part of the culture influencing entertainment. Until next time, cut. It's a wrap.